0: I'm Bala from Bala Simple Chinese School. If you are a beginner, intermediate, advanced,
1: looking for HSK study, business Chinese, or simply want to improve your everyday communication, I'm the teacher for you. Come and join me
0: for a free trial class at Bala Simple Chinese School. Everyone, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to Adrian Gomez. Now, Adrian is the promoter of Middle Kingdom Wrestling, MKW, in China. Now, MKW held its first show in July 2015. Now, Adrian is from the USA. He come to China in 2010. Now, I we'll talk all things wrestling with Adrian... And we also talk about the WWE, AEW. We talk about the independent wrestling. Now, Adrian announced the date on the podcast for the Shanghai show in June. And I'm super excited to go to this event. But before we go, please go to our website where you're at Podbean. Tell Craig Your Story at podbean.com. We have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major streaming services. Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, Spotify, to name a few. We also have VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners at Tell Craig Your Story. We have a YouTube account there. Make sure you're subscribing to get all the latest updates. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Adrian on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hi, Adrian. How are you doing today or well, tonight for you?
1: Great, Craig. Thanks for having me on your show.
0: Not a worry. Thank you very much for your time. So tell us, what are you doing back at home? You've got your promotion here in China. So tell us about a bit of a review for 2023
1: so far. Sure. Well, as, as you know, uh, living in China during the whole zero COVID policy, uh, it was a bit yeah. difficult to uh, get in and out, wasn't it? Uh, so, so um, you know, as soon as the 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 policy uh, had lifted the zero COVID policy, I thought it was a great time to uh, go home and uh, do some unfinished business, uh, see my folks who I haven't seen since the start of the pandemic, um, wow. and just to you know, just take care of, uh, of definitely some lingering things that I would normally take care of, you know, once a year when I was visiting America. But it had been about three uh, more than three years since I was last back home. So um, just staying here a bit longer. But by next month, I should be back in China.
0: Right. And for the promotion, sorry, I, I did say that you did have one recently, but it got postponed.
1: Right. So regarding Middle Kingdom wrestling during the pandemic. You know, at the at the start of 2020, uh, well, I guess I'll just give a little bit of a, a brief background. Sure, on, go for you know, it. Yeah. Middle Kingdom Wrestling, uh, we're a pro wrestling company in China. We do, uh, you know, sports entertainment-based events, uh, uh, similar to what you might see like on WWE or, um, you know, older than that, maybe you might be fam- familiar with WWF or WCW. But that's mm. what we did. We try to create our own local brand of pro wrestling. Uh, which we call like pro wrestling with Chinese characteristics. Um, We started MKW in 2015 and then, um, you know, the ball just kind of got rolling there. I mean, we were able to get a lot of support, a lot of fan support, uh, a lot of interest from media and folks like that, that were just, you know, supporting grassroots organization Uh, of pro wrestling in China. I think it's something that everybody wants to see succeed. It's something that a lot of people uh, are just, you know, they all hope that what I found, what I found is that it wasn't just me, that it wasn't just me who like, I'm the one who started MKW. But what I found is that I was able to find a lot of people with the same vision, the same drive, that also wanted to make professional wrestling become like a mainstream product uh, in China. And um, into the pandemic, in the pandemic we kind of changed our course a bit we started running uh like online shows kind of like an episodic oh, show, yeah, right like like, like, uh, like an episode of like ww raw or monday nitro so we we created about 50 episodes of a show called uh, mkw blast off or in chinese mkw qi that was our strategy during the pandemic uh, what we what we found is that we thought that we could keep running that Probably until maybe 2022, and then we thought, okay, then let's get back into live events uh, with, you know, selling tickets, getting people back in. But as we saw, the 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 zero COVID policy went on a little bit longer than we all thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we did promote a pretty big event in Shanghai. We really had hope that by like maybe September of 2022 or maybe November of 2022, we could have this big event. Well, of course, we ended up uh, holding it off until we could find a new date. Uh, And thankfully, um, we haven't announced this very publicly yet. Internally, a lot of people know, but uh, June 6th will be our return to Shanghai be our first major you know live event with ticket sales and broadcast and all that kind of stuff so that will be at mao live house all right shanghai
0: wow that's a very nice venue as well i've been there a couple of times to watch the concerts so that's going to be really really cool
1: yeah uh, we intend to uh, invite a few and with the border yeah. being open and actually prior to the pandemic we had uh you know we had been accustomed to importing talent maybe the mm. show Every show we'd import some guys and girls uh, that were not living in China, but um, thankfully this is the first show where we where we uh, plan to import some wrestlers. Uh, one of the wrestlers we're looking at right now is uh, Yoshi Tatsu uh, mm. from Japan, who had worked with the WWE uh, for several years. Um, and we're also looking at a few other names that we're not ready to announce yet, but we're definitely intending to make a huge mark uh, on June 6th in Shanghai at my live
0: house. That's really cool because I remember I've been to the last two WWE when they come to Shanghai before the pandemic. So there <laughs> is a, a bit of hardcore fan base here in not only Shanghai, but in China. So where are you getting your talent from?
1: Besides uh, besides the wrestlers that we have trained like in-house, the Chinese domestic wrestlers that we have uh, been working with, and some of them we've trained since, you know, from their very foundation. Uh, We also have a number of uh, wrestlers who are actually expats that are living in China uh, that have made China their home uh, for several years, and that they just happened to, you know, when they were, uh, before they came to China, they were independent wrestlers where they Mm. came from. Uh, but like uh, we happen to have uh, a really good mix of like what we just like what I like um, the, the, the local Chinese wrestlers and also uh, a, a really good uh, uh, mix of uh, foreign talent that are living in China as expats.
0: Right. And how did the Chinese fans react to it? Is it a popular sport? Do they get to see WWE or AEW? Where are you getting your fan base from?
1: Right. It really depends. See, if we're running a show with where we're selling tickets, so and we've ran a lot of shows where you know it was a uh, like a traditional, I guess you could say, wrestling show setup where you got to buy tickets to get in, um, and um, you know. Uh, the video is might be aired live on broadcast or maybe later in post production. But those fans that typically buy a ticket, uh, to come and watch us live, I would describe them as being very, I guess you could say, like Western, you know, wrestling fans. They get it, they understand, uh, they understand the product, they understand, uh, you know, their part in the wrestling performance, they know their part. They know what they need to do as fans and how to enjoy themselves, whether it's, you know, cheering on the faces or booing the heels or whatever they need to do, they get it. Uh, and then we also uh, have also ran shows uh, that are uh, like public shows. So that can be like outside of a shopping mall or inside a shopping mall or maybe oh, some yeah. kind of some like open square. And in those places, you know, you will attract, uh, I guess you could say, people who are, are not familiar with wrestling. Maybe um, maybe they've just, uh, maybe it might be beyond their age demographic or it could be just that they've never really sat to watch it. But those folks uh, tend to be a little bit confused in the beginning. However, uh, for those that stick around and do continue to watch the matches, I do notice that very, you know, you get to see a little bit of a transformation of the casual audience when they're like, oh, okay, you know what, I get this. You know, that's the good guy, that's the Okay, I see. And you can can see that transformation. And I do think that that's what makes wrestling great, is that really everyone has the potential to be a fan. And that's why it's kind of kept us uh, uh, going this whole time because we feel that every time you get the product in front of people's eyes, it, uh, the 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 turnaround time for them going from non fan to either uh, a potential casual fan or a super fan can ha- happen literally uh, you know within minutes. So uh, those are the two different kinds of audiences.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what was your decision to come to China in the first place? What drew you in? not every day that you decided to just wake <laughs> up and go to China. Sure. Um,
1: I came to China in 2010. Um, in 2010, I was a huge fan of, uh, of the TV show uh, No Reservations with Anthony Bourdain he's a you know he's a he's a a travel host that's inspired millions of people and Mm. millions of dreamers uh i would consider myself one of those dreamers and well at that time around 2010 early 2010 he did an episode in Harbin, china which was actually like Mm. there's just something about that particular episode and the way he was able to present and describe china in such a place you know you, you you typically see like shanghai beijing you know, uh, uh, those kind of cities. But when you saw, when I saw, you know, a place that just looked so unbelievably different that I couldn't believe existed, Harbin, and I just decided, pretty much right then and there, I had just come back from a term in uh, uh, Guanajuato, Mexico. I was doing a, uh, a university right. term <clears throat> there, and wow. I was at my parents' house, and I was watching that episode, and I decided, mm, you know what? I'm going to just check out if there's any jobs or something. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to get there. Uh, and, of course, uh, I was able to find my way there eventually through an English teaching gig uh, at the in uh, August of 2010.
0: Right. So you said you were in Mexico at the time. did you watch any of the Mexican wrestling down there, the Lucha Libre?
1: Yeah. Well, wherever I go, I will make an effort to watch local wrestling. So I was yeah. there for a few I was there for a few months doing a, a university course there and yeah. um, and I saw a poster for uh, I saw a poster for like a traveling lucha libre gig I mean a lucha mm-hmm. libre yeah event and uh, yeah I took some of my classmates there I convinced them to go I was like all right <laughs> yeah I was like you guys have to see this it was a it was a few girls I was like two girls from Ireland I don't remember I remember it was two girls from Ireland and an American guy I was able to get a group I was finally able to get a grip. I'm like, let's just go. Uh yeah. And uh we ended up going, and that was a lot of fun. It was, uh I can't, you know, I wasn't familiar with any of the wrestlers or anything like that, but it didn't really matter. It was just, like, watching Lucha Libre in Mexico was just an yeah. experience in of
0: itself. The whole, whole high flyers there in Mexico, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, yeah,
1: definitely its own style.
0: So, what was your first impression of China? You know, for me, it was this is just like a totally different thing so for you in 2010 i think they called or maybe shanghai the wild west so for harbin what what was your first impressions there
1: uh yeah 2010 uh harbin was definitely different than 2023 harbin you know it's it's interesting because uh i know you asked me what my first impression is but you know i just really want to the first thing i want to say is this uh what the lasting impression is where I'm like, wow, it's changed so much in those 13 yeah. years, but yes, 13 years ago, when I first arrived, obviously it's a, it's a, it's, it's not a major city, but the most part of the biggest impression was the population, right? Mm. Like, it doesn't seem like where it doesn't seem whether mm. you're in a, a Shanghai or Beijing or a city like Harvey, and you're always around more people than you've ever been around it. With, yes. Another, another very interesting component of uh of, of, you know, landing landing in China for the first time had to be one thing that I just couldn't get over. And unfortunately I did try to take care of that and that's the language. I started right. to realize, I started to realize that all the Chinese language I listened to in like films and TV shows, you know, it's nothing like what it is in real life or at least the that kind of hmm. accent, the Dongbei accent.
0: Yes. Um, and
1: I made a pretty big effort to to learn Chinese pretty much as quick as I could as soon as I got there and um, you know that, and I I would say that's something that I recommend to to anybody uh, who comes to China I know everybody learns Chinese <clears throat> at a different rate everybody learns Chinese at a different you know everybody's uh, you know not everybody has had uh, the the, the the ability to to process a second language it's so hard it's so hard uh but at the same time i think it increases everybody's enjoyment of it and that's one of the cool well, arriving in, in china and hearing like the dombe accent which prior to coming to Harbin, i was doing some like pin like uh, some chinese lessons in like on like youtube and things like that and you just realize wow this is you know oh i was listening to cantonese and i'm like what like and then you come to Harbin and it has its own complete, unique uh,
0: yeah. dialect and
1: accent. And it's like, yeah. And thankfully, uh, um, it turned out that the Harbin accent is like one of the most standard Chinese accents. So like, for if you're gonna learn like Putonghua, they say like uh, like Harbin is like one of the, the best places to learn Chinese. So I was actually quite lucky uh, to have been able to get a basis of Chinese in that city.
0: Yeah, right. And uh, going back even further, I do believe you were raised in Phoenix, is that correct?
1: My my father, mm. uh, is, I, I was a military kid, so uh, mm. growing up, I spent maybe like the first 10 years of my life uh, going abroad, I mean living abroad, like I lived in uh, Japan for several years, for about oh, yeah, five right. years, I lived in Japan, and then uh, we settled down when I was around 11 years old in Phoenix.
0: Right. And... When did you start getting into uh, the wrestling? Was it just watching it on TV? Did, were your mom and dad sort of interested in it as well?
1: Uh the first time I ever got into wrestling, like where I was like where I like fell in love and I became like a super fan. I was a huge gamer as a kid. Like for like my parent, I would ask for like you know every Christmas I would, I'd ask for the you know the newest game system. I would ask for the newest game. You know the hottest game of that year, whatever. And yes. one time, uh, I went, I went to the store, and I my my parents rented me a copy of a game called WCW uh, World Tour. Yeah, WCW vs. NW World Tour for the Nintendo 64. And as a kid, I just kind of took it as a game, like it was just a game. These characters like Sting, Hulk Hogan, Rey Mysterio. I thought they just existed in in, in as a in the video game. Uh, And then I remember, like, a week later, I'm flipping through the TV channels, and, you know, it's WCW Nitro, and I see, like, Hulk Hogan and the NWO, and then I see, like, Sting come down from the rafters, he single-handedly beats up the whole NWO, and I was just, (laughs) like, in my hand, I'm, like, in my mind, I'm, like, holy crap, this is, like, a video game, like, this is exactly like the game, but these are real people, and you just kind of realize, like, it's probably the, the closest thing to making you realize that wrestling is just kind of like a simulated video game. Yeah. I, I'm a huge gamer. So yeah. like when I saw that, I'm like, they, it's like they're living in a video game and watching again. And, and that Sting was like the first wrestler I fell in love with. I got really into like the wolf pack and all that stuff. And it just grew and grew and grew. Um, and um, I just became like wrestling just became something where like, no matter where I was in my life, uh, no matter what point I was uh, wrestling, my wrestling fandom was something that was probably one of the most like consistent things about my life.
0: Mm. And did you, you started going to the shows as well at that, that time?
1: Yeah. Uh, at that time I was not familiar with independent wrestling. So, mm. you know, just no, you know, at that time it was just WCW, WWF. When mm. uh, WCW came to town to Phoenix, Arizona, uh, my dad took me to uh, a WCW house show, took me to a Monday Night Nitro, um, and um, I just, and then I started going to WWF events when WCW folded. Um, but my first like independent wrestling show that I ever went to was in 2005, uh, and right. that was a very small show at a uh, for an for a wrestling organization called Impact Zone Wrestling in mm. Phoenix um and that just blew my mind i mean it was like a like 50 people attendance tiny little bar yeah. but like it just you know you started to see like the effort of everybody yeah like everybody was working so hard that one of the things that really like drove me to feel to have like a lot of faith and this being like an industry that could you know lead towards a lot of success is the fact that i a lot of those wrestlers that I was watching in those independent scenes, they ended up working for the WWE. Like yeah, I remember hi. watching like uh, Justin Roberts. He was at an IZW show. And then like six months later, he was on TV. Um, uh, Frankie Kazarian. Mm.
0: Um,
1: yeah. Frankie Kazarian. Oh, um, I can't remember the name of this one particular wrestler, but WWE got him and they like gave him a, they gave him a pretty big role. I, can't quite remember his name but i remember like oh my gosh i just saw him like two months ago like in the flesh like you know what i mean like just a few feet away from me you know and this is like you know so it started get get me like into like this rabbit hole of independent wrestling Mm. and then that's when i like started getting into like the bigger independent wrestling groups like ring of honor uh, combat zone wrestling iwa mid-south i started getting really into a rabbit hole of indie wrestling
0: any ecw
1: yes but not the old ecw Uh, we went to an ecw house show that was during the resurrection a resurrection it was during the resurrection of the of wwe's ecw which unfortunately was not not quite like right i think a lot of people have their opinions about it it was okay but yeah i mean i guess i can officially say i've been to an ecw show in
0: 2006 wow that's really cool so when did you start getting into the deep end of the wrestling and thinking about hey I can do this myself
1: well I started uh going to when I was going to school in San Antonio Texas I went to college there and one of the things that really when I kind of like went I guess you could say like too deep into the scene when I say too deep that means like I just you know I got the bug in me Right. And when uh, and that's when uh, there's a local federation there called Anarchy Championship Wrestling. And the promoter there, Darren Childs, he was really cool to me. Um, he always like, you know, he let me ask him a lot of questions, pick his brain. Mm. I would kind of show up early and try to do anything I could be like, hey, do you need help with something? You know, at one point I was even helping to set up like a barbed wire uh, bar- uh, no rope. We, we we took down the ropes and we put barbed wire. We replaced the ropes with barbed wire <laughs> uh, for a match, you know. So, you know, I thought that was like, you know, I'm like, this is amazing, you yeah. know. And yeah. the brutality of that match. I don't think I could really enjoy it as much anymore. But in 2000, when I was like, you know, 20 years old, I thought that was like amazing. Um, and that's really what like really, you know, got that bug in me. I started realizing and asking a lot of questions and being like, you know what. Now, what would it take to run a wrestling show? What would the budget be like? You know, how, how does the logistics work? How many guys should you fly in? How many should you rely uh, locally? Um, you know, what, what kind of promotion and marketing can we do? Something that just stuck in my head. And one of the things that when I went to China, that never necessarily left. Like, I still had mm-hmm. that bug in me. Right. Uh, it's not something that, like, uh, you know, I knew I wouldn't do it like immediately but like after i got comfortable in china for a few years uh but by around like 2014 ish that's when i'm like you know i've been there about almost five years then and i'm like you know what maybe i can maybe i have the resources to to give this wrestling thing a try
0: and what other promotions were there at the time or was this like an original thing
1: there was uh the only other wrestling going on at that time uh, was by an individual, uh, uh, a local person from Dongguan, China. His name is The Slam. And The Slam is a, like a, pretty much China's first pro wrestler. He mm-hmm. ended up getting trained to be a pro wrestler in South Korea. And he came back to China and like try to build his own league. Um, you know, he, he didn't really have the resources to grow it as big as he wanted, but he always has the passion to keep uh you know and, and always very helpful towards anybody who wants to do wrestling in china so yeah. when somebody had told me when somebody had told me uh uh actually i contacted a hong kong wrestler named ho ho loon and ho ho Lun, who actually had a he's actually has had a wwe contract in 2016. oh yeah right and and uh ho ho loon told me uh uh hey if you want to do wrestling in china i he goes you should connect with the slam so um the slam is somebody who I'm still friends with today. Mm. Um, and he's somebody that I owe a lot to because, you know, he was able to 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 provide a lot of resources, a lot of know-how and knowledge into the Chinese wrestling scene. Uh, again, he never quite had the resources uh, that he would have liked. But uh, still, he was the only one at that point, the only other person who had even tried to run a pro wrestling organization in China. So, you know, you asked if we're the first one. I wouldn't say we're the first one. I would say we're the second one right. in history.
0: And then 2015, July, was it the first match or the first show that you had?
1: Yeah. Uh, we ran it uh, with, in collaboration with The Slam and his right. organization. We, at that point, we're just you know we just getting our, our feet wet, and you know I, uh, we decided to run a show together. So we just split the resources. I said, let's do a two-day show. Let's do it together. Uh, and let's see what happens. And um, we were able to create a lot of buzz in that first show in China. Like it was it. To be honest, uh, you know, it was not our. It was not the best wrestling show, but for some reason, people were just like, like enamored. Like, wow, there's a wrestling company in China now. Like, like people just kept 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 contacting me, media pe- people. Well, yeah. Really, even within, uh, even within, and I, I can't tell you why, but like even like just a, a few months after doing that show, like Forbes called, for, like yeah, Forbes, right. they wanted to do like an interview with me about that show uh, and what we were doing, and it was just like, I think we were able to get like, I think the at that point the interest in Chinese wrestling was very high, mm-hmm. because I think WWE was kind of teasing that they were going to do something, so like for a while. Actually, not for a while. I mean, even until today, you know, like that momentum from that first show was just kind of like perfect time. This was just like mm. perfect time. Uh, and because WWE was just about to do their first press conference in Shanghai, uh, we kind of mm. like beat them to it a bit by like a, a few months. So like, you know, I didn't even know they were going to do that. Um, and yeah, I think we were kind of able to build off of that momentum. And yeah. that's what led to like the interest in media uh, 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 you know the, the media publicity that we got
0: yeah and who came up with the name obviously it was yourself but why the kingdom of wrestling middle kingdom you know Zhonghua. Oh, all right so it rolls kingdom. off the tongue <laughs> yeah i think so yeah and then uh 2015 like what was the plan for that what was the plan to get more recognized talent or to build the promotion well the first
1: show we did was uh it was two days we did mm. two days in a row and we recorded it mm. uh and what we wanted to do is to roll out the video uh, week after week of each match and basically we from the beginning we really wanted it to be very story based, and we really like wanted to do something that would be able to uh, utilize uh, our small resources for a long time. So, like, I filmed the sh- did like twelve matches, and we we're able to like extend, you know, twelve weeks of content by releasing. You know, we we, we kind of uh, wrote the show so that it could be like twelve episodes. So we mm. did we filmed two days, and we like we kind of prepared for like twelve episodes. And then there was one way where like it could look like we could give the perception, the perception that your company is like running every week uh, when in reality it was actually just running, you know, just the, the, those original two days. And in wow. those like 12, in those 12 weeks, you know, we could plan a lot, get more resources, try to find sponsors and, and, you know, so that we can do the next set of tapings mm. um, until eventually, you know, we were able to land on a lot, a lot of great opportunities, a lot of great help, you uh, And that we're able to bring MKW to like the next level where we didn't have to do that anymore. We could actually run events like, you know, every two months, you know, like in 2017, 2018, 2019, we were running events like every two months uh, with pretty big crowds. And we started utilizing like live cameras, obviously like live broadcast feeds um, on like major networks and things like on major Chinese video platforms. And, you know, in the beginning, it was just about stretching out the few resources that we have and right. you know utilizing it in a way that can at least give the perception that you're doing something every week or every day
0: you know what i mean one of the interesting things that i saw on your instagram was that you pay for all the medical bills tell us about the reasons why you put all your resources into this like it must be a passion. It must what's driving you and why do you do that because a lot of businesses don't do that especially in the wrestling business right
1: i think the ethics i mean i've been in the wrestling business for a long time to not have like rose colored lenses where i feel like you know I mean, the realities of what people you know in the independent scenes how much they get paid Mm. um the sometimes the the terms of deal which you know aren't always as fair as they should be. Um, but when it comes to MKW, you know, uh, I feel that the only way we were able were able to get, we are going to be able to get, you know, first class support. I mean, from fans, from sponsors, from, you know, potential uh, investors, is if we at least treat what we do have, which, you know, we want it to be bigger, but what we have right now, it needs to be taken care of uh, as well as possible, and mm-hmm. it needs to, you know, keep a morale within our small group, our small team, as high as possible. Because, you know, what kind of fan or what kind of, uh, you know, outside uh, partner would want to come in and be able to help us? Which we do need help. We always still, you know, we still need more financial support. We still need more resources. That uh, and and you know, we're in a position now much better than we we're discussing in 2015. But the thing is, is that if we can maintain, like, you know, we pay for, uh, you know, in, uh, in, I mean, accommodation, and we don't ask wrestlers to, like, you know, literally pay to work. Uh, mm. And we don't, uh, we don't, uh, and that we provide, um, you know, resources like medical help if they need it, uh, mm. if they get hurt because of, you know, working for us. I don't know, you know, I, I personally, for me, It would be hard, uh, you know, maybe if uh, I can't speak for others, but it would be really hard to, like, sleep at night knowing that, like, somebody had, like, a really um, um, awful injury, you know, working, uh, you know, for MKW, and, you know, we were not able to take care as much as we could. So uh, when it came to that post that I did post before about, you know, at MKW, we always do this, this, and that. The reason I mentioned that is because at the time there was a scandal, not an MKW, it was a scandal uh, outside of China, but it, it kind of caught the wrestling world by storm. Mm. And I just couldn't believe what I was reading about what the promoter was asking the wrestlers to do, what God. he wasn't doing. I just, like, it, it just, it, I just couldn't believe it. And that's why I came out and said what I said. Uh, because I think... Uh, when you realize what kind of promoters there are out there. And believe me, the ones I associate with, and I'll be honest, I've come across very seldom like the scummy, like carny promoter. I would say in my industry, like at least to people I, I have in my circle, you know, I would say everybody does their best to take care of others. But I did come out and say that recently, you uh, know, because it was in response to the current wrestling drama going on at that time, which unfortunately did kind of paint a bad light on our industry. Yeah.
0: So, do you have like a training center there where you're developing new talent? And where can people go if they want to try out for MKW?
1: Sure. Um, right now, uh, we used to have two training centers, one in Harbin and one in Shanghai. And mm. now we've decided to focus just the one on Shanghai. Um, and what we have is a weekly free wrestling club uh, every Saturday at Animal MMA, um, at Animal MMA Gym, uh, which is a, an, an MMA gym run by uh, Kyle Roski in, in, uh, in Shanghai. Uh, we partner with uh, his gym to allow weekly wrestling classes, mm-hmm. and uh, through that, Uh, We've been able to maintain a wrestling presence in Shanghai where everybody can get together every Sunday to train, uh, hone their skills, do pro wrestling related fitness. And also, uh, you know, just for more people who are curious, if they want to meet with us and kind of get an idea of what the wrestling, you know, what wrestling entails in China. uh, We also are very happy to to meet with folks at the wrestling club Hmm. every Sunday.
0: That's really cool. I wanted to ask, like, I know with the entertainment here in China, it, it can be very restrictive. Like, for an example, like if a band from overseas comes here, they have to give all their music to the to the government. To there's lots of action there. There's lots of punching. People could get hurt. So, are there restrictions uh, with doing a promotion in China? You know, there, there's always,
1: there's always, you know, some level of bureaucracy to deal with.
0: Uh, but as
1: far as, you know, I'm just talking about like getting permission to run and license yeah. and things like that. But as, as far as, uh you know, more on like, I guess you could say like uh, sanitizing or mm. sanitizing a product or perhaps like censoring, I, uh, we, you know, maybe because of the na- nature of what, you know, what we produce, which that's not to say that we don't, you know, we do have punches. We do have kicks. We do have, you know, some edgy, kind of edgy storylines. Um, but at the same time, we've never, we've not, not encountered uh, anything significant where we're like, you know, one of our episodes couldn't air. How about this? We've never had to take down anything. Right. Uh, right. We've never, I mean, we upload all our shows on um, every major Chinese streaming network uh, platform, and we've never had to take down down anything so um, at the moment we've not come across that but also I would say that we try to have like a very common sense approach to uh, what is going to be featured on our program
0: right business wise I mean you've had some major hits like the 2000 uh, every, like everyone with the pandemic and even 2022 with the the lockdown in Shanghai like three three or four months so how are you able to sort of survive after all these long periods without any people uh, buying tickets or buying like merchandise
1: well uh one of the main things that we've been able to do is keep our company relevant through a very 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 active social media presence Mm. Uh, we, we we continue to invest in our social media whether that's Douyin or WeChat uh, public channel. Um, and we have a large catalog of wrestling content that we release every week. So one of the main things is always trying to keep the company relevant by always being in the social media space and always doing interesting methods to promote wrestling. For example, we recently had this very uh, last year in 2022, during the peak of like zero COVID uh, the zero COVID lockdown and all those kind of things, we started focusing on like uh, producing art. So we asked one of our artists to produce and we and, and asked them to collaborate with uh, an art studio to produce content every week that would uh, combine Chinese characteristics with wrestling. Um, and it's something that kind of kept us off, off, uh, in the conversation. Uh, and we started actually selling that those kind of things. For example, I'm wearing a sh- a shirt right now. Oh nice. By one of our artists at uh, Peanut at Peanut Butter Studio. And what the main idea was like um, the main idea of every art piece was to promote like positivity and creativity through Chinese culture and, and wrestling. Um, and, and that was one of our one of our uh, ways that we were able to through 2022 we produced about 30 pieces uh and another interesting thing that we were able to do actually was have a um, uh, live stream wrestling so we'll, we'll get a commentator to speak over our wrestling shows every week you know so it's like a kind of like a twitch thing you know what i mean and you mm-hmm. know people can donate money to that and uh, you know donate gifts and things like that you know so we we were we we, we did a lot of call to action marketing uh, in 2022. And now in 2023, uh, we hope, you know, to, we can have more opportunities to show people, you know, we're not just an art company. We're not just like a media company, but we're also still a wrestling company that produces live, uh, live sports and entertainment. So uh, that's something that we really look forward to being able to showcase uh, l- later this summer.
0: What would you say to someone that's a little bit skeptical about the wrestling? They go, oh, yeah, it's fake. Why should I go and watch something that's fake? What would you say to them?
1: Um, I would say just come to a live wrestling show. I mean, Exactly. That's about it. I mean, uh, I think everybody, you know, if you're looking, if you are uh, someone who is very just skeptical, as you said, because it's, you know, it's predetermined, um or it's fake you know i think if you come to a wrestling show you can see very quickly uh some of its more realistic elements of it you know i mean i don't think we'll ever be able to convince you that it's a real sport yes but we can definitely convince you that there is a more realism and than you might be expecting
0: and when you've got it when you've got the crowd there and the energy it's, it's... There's nothing better. Nothing better. It's like anything live is is great. And when you've got good entertainment, yeah, I don't care what anybody says. It it just gives you a good feeling. Uh, What's the future for MKW?
1: Well, the future for MKW is actually going to to rely a lot on uh, our next few events. So, again, we have this huge show coming up in Shanghai. We're putting a lot of our – but, you know, we we, we, we have, like, a, a Swiss army knife of ideas that we want to review at that show, uh, at that particular show. And we also have another uh, event planned in Shenzhen at the end of the year. Uh, at, we'll go into detail more uh, after that, after the Shanghai show. But the okay. future of MKW, the uh, future of Middle Kingdom Wrestling, you know, is basically... We are going to continue on our quest, our journey, trying to make pro wrestling a we want MKW to prove that pro wrestling in China can be, you know, both uh you know com- uh, both uh artistically satisfying and commercially viable. Because I do think that there's a lot, a lot of potential in what wrestling can do in China. And it's not only because of the population. I know everybody always looks at China because of its population but actually uh, looking besides that part which we can't ignore that is very attractive yes. you know a very attractive part of China but actually a lot of what Chinese culture uh, right you know a lot of what uh, the basis of Chinese culture and its martial are in its martial arts history and it's also not not necessarily just as martial arts history but a lot of its traditional stories, uh, a lot of the the it's poetry a lot of it actually can be told through the lens of professional wrestling i really believe that and you know we will continue to be able to push that so that more people can see uh chinese beautiful chinese culture through pro wrestling and for me that's the future where people where, where pro wrestling is a vehicle to be able to promote Chinese culture in a soft way that could be able that that could be you know a very sustainable and everlasting uh, uh, method for I don't want to talk into politics but you know for a way for China to be able to uh, spread soft power because I think I think pro wrestling this uh, is a, just lends itself towards uh, like uh, soft power.
0: Yes. And it would be so, so awesome to get affiliated with, like, an independent in the U.S. Or that would be perfect to sort of get get that as well. I hope everything goes well. I want to ask in wrestling, um, and for you personally, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
1: When it comes to doing business with somebody, uh, make sure they're nice. Mm. Yeah.
0: It's very make interesting. Sure it's very yeah. interesting. <laughs> social media is Adrian. Uh, where can we find you and where can we find your streaming? Uh,
1: if you want to find Middle Kingdom Wrestling uh, on our international social media, please find us on Instagram, which is MKW China, uh, Twitter, MKW Wrestling, Facebook, Middle Kingdom Wrestling, YouTube, Middle Kingdom Wrestling. Um, and if you want to find us outside of China, uh, outside, I mean, outside of uh, on, like on the other side of the firewall, uh, you can find us on WeChat at MKW Shuijiao um and on We yeah WeChat Shuijiao Wanggua, or just on Baidu us, Google us, mm. or Baidu us, both are okay. If you want to follow me personally, I'm on uh, Adrian G Adrian G4 on Twitter, as well as on Instagram, as well as on Facebook, LinkedIn. However, you want to communicate.
0: Sounds very good. Just a quick thing before we go. I asked a couple of quick questions and I know you're a big wrestling fan. Uh, you give me your top two or three favorite. All right. Just very quickly, and then we'll finish it off. Are you ready, Adrian? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what promotion was your favorite during the war? Were you WCW or WWF? WCW. WCW. Okay. Uh who were your top three yeah, favorite Who were your top two or three favorite wrestlers of all time?
1: Sting, Jeff Jarrett, Kurt Angle.
0: Oh, good, good pick. And Independents before they were famous. Who who were your top three?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, Zombie Dragon, Peter Avalon.
0: An up and coming star from MKW and why?
1: I would like to promote uh, a few guys from MKW. Uh, One Chinese and one foreigner, okay? So number one, I would say, uh, for our Chinese side, I'd like to promote uh, DC Chen. DC Chen, he's a young guy who uh, came to us, and he really risked it all. He put his whole life on hold to come and be a professional wrestler, Um, and he was able to prove himself uh, working for MKW, I mean, uh, training in MKW, Eventually fighting in MKW and winning a championship in MKW, so I really have to say DC Chen is one you should, uh, one who 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 a lot of people should look out for. Uh, when it comes to an independent wrestler, I'd like to uh, I'd like to put over, I'm sorry, a foreign MKW wrestler. I'm sorry, a foreign MKW wrestler, uh, Zombie Dragon. I think Zombie Dragon is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, we've been so grateful and so thankful the fact that he's been working for us for the last uh, five years. Uh, and I think that Chinese wrestling has been able to flourish so much because of his knowledge and the expertise that he's uh, instilled in China. And I really hope uh, one day he can get a big contract. Very
0: good. Top two or three favorite musicians?
1: Uh, Neil Young, uh, Radiohead. and, and um black pink
0: mm, very cool very very good mix there and final question who is your greatest inspiration slash hero and why
1: oh i would say my great, greatest inspiration uh my greatest inspiration uh is actually from the the gaming scene um uh, he's the president he was the then, he passed away, but he was a the then president of Nintendo called Satoru Iwata. Mm. I liked him because uh, he started off as an engineer, uh, and then he like worked his way up to being the CEO of Nintendo. And I really like, uh, I like that he was able to, this is before he passed away, he did pass away as CEO in 2015. Mm. But I like that he was able to have some of the biggest successes in Nintendo's career during his period, and also some of the biggest lows so it means he was trying things though every single time that whole time he was there nintendo mm-hmm. was like went up to the top went to the bottom went to the top because he was always trying new things so i was just I, I i always look at that as an inspiration because maybe in a way i kind of look, look at myself like you know we have been to the top we've kind of in because of the pandemic we've kind of fallen a bit uh i think we can get back to the top with, uh, in the future for sure or when i say to the top i more like mean like back to a positive momentum
0: absolutely adrian thank you very much for your time been great to chat with you really inspiring that what you're doing here in china and with wrestling in general keep doing what you're doing because i know that you're making a lot of people happy Really happy to promote your MKW anytime in the future. All the best.
1: Oh, Thanks, Craig. Uh, would you, uh, I'd like to invite you. I don't know what your schedule is, but I'd like to invite you to our event uh, on June 6th. I, I would like to personally invite you. So if, uh, if you have time that day, I, uh, maybe we can meet face-to-face then.
0: Love to come. And I'd actually like to go and have a look at the training center in Shanghai as well when you come back to uh, China.
1: Sounds great. Hi, I'm Tony Fair, founder of Victorian Grooming Company. Is your beard feeling dry or the skin underneath itchy? Maybe you'd rather soften and tame your beard instead. Our classic collection of beard oils, balms, and soaps will leave your beard looking, feeling, and smelling amazing. And if you prefer shaving, our pre-shave oils and shave soaps will give you a smooth and razor burn free shave. Handmade in Edmonton with natural ingredients. Visit victoriangrooming.com.